great to be with you, church. Glad we can experience a connection together as the body of Christ. And if you're new with us, my name's John. I'm lead pastor of Centerpoint, and I'm so glad that you've joined us. Especially if you are new, let us know that you were with us. Just uh, do what Pastor Donovan just shared and text First Step uh, to 1951-397-2254. We'd love to just get in touch with you and stay on track with you and be community together. All right, so also just want to make sure you know this Wednesday night, if you are game for it, we are doing our Seek Night on campus, on the patio, outdoors, outside, uh, physically distanced and all that good stuff. But if you're game for coming and gathering, we're going to be seeking God together and we're going to be consecrating six pastors in our church family. So I want to invite you to come be a part of that. All right, so uh, (laughs) this is a little bit embarrassing, and it's kind of funny because it's like week two of mouse tales. But um, so a couple of of weeks ago, we were sitting in the family room one night, and I was sitting on the floor, and then I saw out of the corner of my eye, some little thing just started scurrying down the hallway and then jumped under the refrigerator. And it looked like a tiny little mouse. And so the next day, I went out and I got some mouse traps. Good old school Victor mouse traps. And I, and I put some peanut butter in one, I put some cheese in the other, and I set them out there. And I was sure they were going to do their job. But the next morning, I came down, and you know what I saw? What I saw was that the peanut butter had been licked out of the one and the cheese had been eaten out of the other and the traps were still set. Man, I was frustrated. It was time for war. And so I went back out to the store that day and I got seven different kinds of traps. I am not even kidding you right now. I'll show you my assortment. I got the, the, the large scale rat zapper. I got the mini mice zapper. I got the big glue traps, the little glue traps. I got the tube uh, uh, rubber band traps. I got more Victor traps. I got some uh, jaws of death traps. I got everything they had on offer at that store, right? I, I had to go all out, right? And I put these traps out and um, I put them all out. I was so excited for what was going to happen. I know that's a little sadistic, but I was excited for what was going to happen. And then uh, the next morning I came down and you know what I saw? The peanut butter had been eaten out of one of the traps again. Not only that, but one of my kids said, dad, look at the glue trap. And, And he lifted it up. You know what there was? Little tiny mouse paw prints dancing across the glue. This thing has got a name now. It's not just a regular old mouse. It's a Houdini mouse. It's a Chris Angel mind freak mouse. That's what this thing is. I mean, it can walk on not water, but on glue. I mean, it's crazy, right? And so uh, I didn't know what to do. We just went you know, all out. My wife, Anne, did some research, found out that they don't like uh, the smell of peppermint. So we took a whole bottle of essential oil. That's a good use for it. And we, uh, you know, doubt a bunch of cotton balls with peppermint oil and shoved them everywhere we could. We're going to smoke these things out, you know? And then uh, the next morning, I I finally came downstairs and, uh, well, I won't give you any graphic details, but let's just say uh, if it were being recorded in the statistics, it would be a COVID death, right? I mean, it's it's another one (laughs) that died. And uh, anyway, uh, I was was willing to do whatever it took to get rid of this thing because it was vermin. It was not supposed to be there. What I was doing in this moment in my house is I was practicing and exercising authority, Because it's my house, and if there's something going on in my house that I don't want to be there, I don't need to let it stay that way. In fact, what I was doing was exercising authority to get rid of a problem that didn't need to stay there. But could you imagine if I decided to let it stay there? 
If I let it stay there, that little mouse would have invited his cousins and they would have formed a little mouse family. They might have started chewing up my PVC water lines behind the walls. They might have brought in some kind of bacterial diseases into my house. Who knows? But I had to do something about it. I had to recognize that it's a problem that didn't need to stay that way. And I needed to act. Because even though I have authority in my house, it doesn't mean that the problem's gonna get dealt with by autopilot. I still need to take action based on the authority that I have. And what I wanted to tell you today is that you have authority. You have spiritual authority. I want you to just say, I have spiritual authority. Say it. I have spiritual authority. You do. You have spiritual authority. And it is something that requires action on your part. Spiritual authority in Christ is what brings about spiritual victory in Christ. And in this series, The Resistance, that is the hallmark of all that we have been conveying and teaching and engaging in in terms of our discipleship, recognizing that spiritual victory in Christ is the result of spiritual authority in Christ. And you have that authority. If you have put your trust in Jesus, here's what's happened for you. You put your trust in Jesus and your sin was forgiven, your shame and guilt was washed away, and you were made a new creation. The old gone, the new has come. You are new in Christ Jesus, new in Christ Jesus. That scripture says if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. But you, when you put your trust in Jesus, you were born again. You were made a new creation, and you were then included in Christ. Christ. And because you are in Christ, you have his authority. And this authority is something that you are made to live in and live out and bring into this world. And this is the scripture that I want us to start with today. It's in Luke chapter 9, and it just simply says this. It says, one day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. He then sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Did you catch it? He gave them all authority. This is what Jesus does. He looks at his disciples and says, I want you to run and run with my authority and do something about every darkness you see in this world. Every evil thing you see, deal with it in my name and in my authority. He gave them authority. And this authority is, by extension, yours as well. Here's how I know that. Because Jesus At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. This is Matthew 28, 20. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all people and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And that would include what we just read. And so the authority that Jesus gave to his disciples, by extension, he gives to you as well. And I want you to just take this to heart. Spiritual authority in Christ is the key to supernatural victory in Christ. This is what you and I are made for, living out that 
supernatural victory. Okay, so now I want us to open up the scriptures and spend a little time uh, in the gospel of Mark. And so I want you to open up a Bible. Go ahead and send somebody upstairs to quick get it off the nightstand or go ahead and reach over to that uh, coffee table where it's been and get the Bible and open up to Mark chapter nine. And as you're turning to Mark chapter nine, here's kind of the, <laughs> here's kind of the, the backstory. Jesus has been up on the mountaintop and it's this experience where he reveals his glory to his disciples. He, he allows John and James and Peter to see the fullness of who he is, dazzling in his glory. But right quick at the end of that moment, he says, okay, let's go. I want you to go back down into the valley because there's stuff that we've got to deal with in this world. It's like as though a big picture, Jesus is saying, it is an amazing thing to have this mountaintop moment where we get to experience the transcendent glory and power of God together, but this world needs us to show up, so let's go. I mean, that's big picture, what happens? So they see the glory of Jesus on the mountaintop, and right on the heels of that is what uh, happens next in Mark chapter nine. And with that, uh, turn there with me to Mark chapter nine, and we'll jump in at verse, uh, verse 14. It says, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. And when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What's all this arguing about, Jesus asked. And one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you so that you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever his, this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. And then he foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth because... Uh, he becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. <laughs> you know what's interesting about this little interchange is that uh, Jesus has this, has this father bring a, a boy that's been uh, demonized and uh, the disciples were supposed to be the ones to deal with it. And when Jesus discovers that the disciples couldn't deal with it, he doesn't calmly say, oh, that's okay, no big deal, I'm hippie Jesus. You know? No, in fact, what he does is he, he gets kind of indignant. He turns towards his own disciples and basically blasts them, saying, Come on. I mean, that's my translation. Right? But he's saying, come on, how long am I going to, he literally says, put up with this. Like He says, you faithless people. And he calls out their lack. And what Jesus is, is confronting at this moment is their inability to confront evil the way they've been authorized to do so. Jesus has this expectation that his disciples would be able to deal with the evil and wouldn't need somebody else to come and do it for him. That's still his expectation of his disciples, you and me included. And so uh, I see this, this part of the scripture calling me to attention, calling you to attention, because we are those disciples. And if we're going to step up to the plate, we got to recognize something, that we overcome spiritual uh, evil 
by our spiritual authority in Christ. And I want you to just say this one time out loud with me. Say, I overcome spiritual evil by my spiritual authority in Christ. Say it. I overcome spiritual evil by my spiritual authority in Christ. There's spiritual evil in this world. Sometimes you don't have to look very far. And it is the plan of Jesus that his disciples, you and me included, would be the ones that would do something about it. And this is what this message is about. You and I recognizing that. I'll keep reading in Mark chapter nine, verse 19. It says, Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and, and help us if, if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. <laughs> Jesus says, what, what do you mean, if I can? And he calls out the if. How many times have we prayed and, and asked God if he would be willing to do something? And, and I think that it's important for us to catch this. Jesus is looking for people who would believe him so strongly and take him at his word so strongly that we wouldn't need the if. That we would just go for it, trusting him to be true to his word, to be faithful to do what would otherwise seem impossible. But this little interchange is an important one. And when this man says to Jesus, heal my unbelief, maybe those are words that you and I need to grab hold of as well. Maybe we also need to say, where I've become cynical, where my heart has become a little hardened, where I have stopped trusting you as much as as you've made me to, where I've stopped having faith in you, the kind of faith that you're worthy of, would you heal that in me so that I can see more victory come, so that I can see greater breakthrough take place, so that I can see miracles unfold, the kind that would reflect your goodness and your kingdom. Heal my unbelief. Maybe somebody say it with me right now. God, heal my unbelief. Just say it. God, heal my unbelief. I don't want to be suffering from a case of unbelievitis and just walk around with it, and then I end up infecting other people. I want to walk around with a case of strong faith and bring breakthrough by it. That's what I'm made for. So this interchange, Jesus calls out his own disciples and says, you faithless people, and then the father acknowledges it is his lack of belief that is part of the problem. And you and I need to recognize this, that our faith is what gives us access to our spiritual authority. And I want you to just maybe get your mind around this as a resolve right now. This one thought, would you say it with me? I access spiritual authority through my faith. Say it. I access spiritual authority through my faith. Say it again. I access spiritual authority through my faith. This is what you and I are made for, accessing spiritual authority through our faith. If you ever find yourself in a moment where you sense that there's something evil, 
maybe a, a demon or an evil spirit or something from the devil or that kind of thing. You don't need to be afraid at all. Did you notice what Jesus did in this moment where the, the, the boy who was manifesting a demonic spirit, did you notice what Jesus did? Notice what, first of all, he didn't do. He did not freak out. He did not become overly dramatic and start jumping up and down and saying, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this. This is crazy. He just calmly said, how long has it been like this? That's it. And so if you ever sense that there's something evil, some kind of a demonic presence or something going on that's from the devil, you don't need to be afraid either. But what you do need to do is activate your faith. You activate your faith to access your authority. And so to activate your faith, it isn't as hard as it might sound. To activate your faith sometimes looks like simply beginning to say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I love you, and I believe in you, and Jesus, I believe that what you did on the cross for me is more than enough. Jesus, I love you, and Jesus, I trust you, and Jesus, I'm holding on to you right now. You know, sometimes when I sense that there's something evil or wicked or demonic taking place, I activate my faith the way I just described, by just beginning to say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, all my hope is in you. Why don't you just say it with me? Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I love you. Come on, don't be passive on me right now. I know that uh, I can't necessarily hear you from your family room, but I wish I could. Say it again. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, all my hope is in you. And say this one loud. Jesus, I believe that your cross is enough. Jesus, I believe your cross is enough. You know, when you begin to make those statements from your spirit, from your soul within you, from your heart, you are activating your faith. You are raising up the value and the worth of the goodness of Jesus Christ. And that is activating something inside of you to believe in all that he said and in all that he is. And as you activate your faith, you are accessing your spiritual authority. And this is what is needed. You know, a while back, I, I got to work early in the morning, and nobody else was on our church campus yet. And I uh, got out of my car and uh, grabbed my keys and, you know, clicked the button to lock the car up. And then I walked uh, towards the building, keys in hand, and I was uh, fumbling with something uh, in my bag while I was walking up to the door. And I just sort of mindlessly reached out my keys and clicked the clicker right when I got to the door and clicked the clicker. And then I yanked on the handle. And of course, it was still locked and closed. Why? Because that clicker doesn't work on that door. I needed the key. I needed the right key for that door in order to be able to gain access. And if you want to have the spiritual authority of Jesus activated within you, you first need to activate your faith to access that spiritual authority. This is what you're in need of, and this is what the disciples needed too. Mark 9, verse 25, when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Just pause for a moment. Do you know what Jesus is doing right here? Jesus rebuked the evil spirit because he didn't want this large crowd beginning to give the devil any more credit than he deserved, or any credit at all for that matter. And so he rebuked the evil spirit, as in no more manifesting, no more making this child roll around. No, 
So it says he rebuked that evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said, I command you, come out of this child and never enter him again. And then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. And the boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him up by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Another translation includes prayer and fasting. In a sense, this, this moment in, in the ministry of Jesus is emblematic of how you and I sometimes need to be ready to deal with whatever we find that's demonic. And so I hope you picked up on in this series, The Resistance, that you and I are meant to be the ones as followers of Jesus who don't stand down when we see evil manifesting, who don't back off and run in fear when we see evil manifesting, but instead who are ready to confront that evil and call it out and cast it out. And so in this teaching, in this moment, I am saying to you, believer in Jesus, you must follow Jesus in whatever ways he presents, and this is one of them. Sometimes following Jesus looks like following him into a moment where you do like he did and deal with that evil thing by casting it out. <laughs> so I look at what Jesus did here in this moment, and I see four distinct movements to it. And the four movements are the following. He made an observation, and then he rebuked it, and then he made an identification, and then he did an expulsion. <laughs> so first of all, he made an observation. He asked the father, how long has this been going on? And it's important to gain a little bit of information about what the nature of this problem is, whatever kind of evil or demonic presence it is. Don't have to spend too long on it, but it's worth it to follow Jesus in that particular aspect, asking some questions, making some observations about what this uh, evil is and how long it's been going on and wh what its kind of manifestation is. But then Jesus rebuked it. He flat out stopped it in its tracks. When he rebuked it, he was forbidding it from continuing to outwardly manifest. And that's important for every follower of Jesus to know how to do. And it's pretty simple. It's not rocket science. Ultimately, it's about just being able to say, I rebuke this evil spirit in Jesus' name. That is an important step of following Jesus into dealing with evil. And the third thing he does is he identifies it. He allows it to be identified. He calls it out. He says, listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. And so he's identifying the power of this demonic spirit and in a sense naming it. And that's important as well. Sometimes I'm in a moment and I pick up on some kind of an evil spirit that's at work and I'll call it out and say I rebuke this evil spirit and then I'll name it and say spirit of shame, spirit of, of deception, spirit of control, spirit of intimidation, I call you out. I'm following Jesus, just bringing an identification to the particular kind of evil that's at work. And then finally he, he explains it. And his words, Jesus' words are, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. 
Don't you love the strength and power in the words of Jesus? But guess what? Don't you know that Jesus expected for every one of his disciples to be able to carry that same kind of strength and power into moments where it's needed? And you're the one who is meant to do likewise. And so again, his words are, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Why don't you just try this phrase on for size for a moment? Just say, I command you to come out and never come back. Come on, say it with me. I command you to come out and never come back. I mean, that's kind of dealing with the devil 101, Jesus style. Try it again. I command you to come out and never come back. Say it. I command you to come out and never come back. This is Jesus demonstrating for you and me what it looks like to deal with and confront an evil spirit with authority. It is your spiritual authority in Christ that will bring about a spiritual, supernatural victory in Christ. But don't sit back and not do something when it needs to be done. I remember when my kids were little, and uh, one, of my, one of my sons was on a, a soccer team, a rec league soccer team, and I was at the game with him one day, and I was sitting on the sidelines, and I noticed the coach yelling at the kids, and, and the coach yelled out at my son and said, what's your problem, Noah? What's your problem, Noah? <laughs> and I heard that, and I got up out of my seat. I was about to go over to that coach and go, you don't talk to my son. I was about to be that dad, you know? <laughs> And uh, I didn't. I, I, I think Anne was like, you know, pulling me back or whatever. But then in the halftime, I, I walked over to where the coach was with the kids, and I, I saw her saying to all of the kids on the team, you know, what, to each kid, Tommy, what's your problem? You know, uh, Jeff, what's your problem? Noah, who's your problem? And she was asking them to identify the opposing teammate <laughs> who was their problem, you know, the one they were supposed to do something about. And I'm so glad I didn't come you know, over to that coach making myself known. Anyway, at the end of that uh, halftime, she said to them, all right, team, go find your problem. And they went back out onto that field, and each of them found their problem and held their ground. And I wonder if maybe Jesus is looking for you and me to, to go find our problem, in a sense, and to recognize the power and the authority that's in us because we are in Christ and how vital it is that we do something about it. You know what's a great example of this? I'll tell you a great example. A great example would be this past week when uh, one woman who's part of our church, you know, it was six weeks ago or so, she got stirred up inside so deeply with the problem of child pornography and the exploitation of children taking place on the internet that she couldn't sit back and let that evil keep manifesting and she decided, I gotta do something about this and started in almost overnight a movement called Children's Riot. And then this past week, uh, down at the Temecula Duck Pond, there were nearly a thousand people that came out to protest the exploitation of children and to say in so many words, I command this evil thing to come out and never come back. Somebody say amen right now. Because this is what it takes. It takes the people of God standing up in the power of God and doing something about the darkness and evil 
that is taking place. Not sitting back and observing it and letting it continue, but taking our stand against whatever kind of manifestation of evil we see taking place and standing in the authority of Jesus to see that evil torn down. This is what we're made for. This is what it means to be the resistance and to engage in resisting the devil the way we're called to. You are duly authorized to go do likewise. You are duly authorized. You know, when I, when I do a, a wedding, at the end of a wedding as a pastor, I invariably say something like, by the power vested in me, by Almighty God, I now pronounce you husband and wife. And it's a delight to be able to say those words, both the I now pronounce you, but also by the power vested in me by Almighty God. I just like the ring of it. But you know what? That's true for every single one of us, whether we were doing a wedding or not. The power vested in you by Almighty God, the authority placed in you by Almighty God is meant to be used to bring freedom, to bring breakthrough, to bring deliverance, to bring healing, to bring a manifestation of the kingdom of God and tear down every manifestation of the kingdom of darkness. This is what we're made for, church. I hope you'll step into it and live out that kingdom life where you bring the authority of Jesus to bear on every force of evil and to bring the glory of the name of Jesus that sets people free. Colossians chapter one. It says this, it says, he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. If you are a Christian, this is a moment where the best thing you could do would be to say, thank you, God, that you did that for me. I mean, let me read it again. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son. Listen, you've been rescued. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus, you have been rescued. You no longer live under that threat of darkness any longer. You've been rescued. So shout it out. Thank you, God, for what you did for me. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for transferring me out of the kingdom of darkness. I'm not bound by it any longer. Come on, this is life in the kingdom of God. You're delivered from that darkness. I'm gonna say it again, Colossians 1.13. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. For every one of us who's a believer, this is, this is our life. We live every day knowing I've been, I've been set free all my sin has been forgiven. I'm alive in the kingdom of God. I don't have to fear the darkness of evil any longer. Now, as, as a believer, I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful I can live every day in that reality. But I also know that there's probably some of us for whom we're just not even sure whether that applies to us or not. But I want you to know this is exactly what God wants to do for you. To rescue you from the kingdom of darkness and to transfer you into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased your freedom and is willing to forgive your sins. In order for you to experience that, what needs to happen is there needs to be a moment where once and for all you would say, Jesus, would you do that for me? 
There needs to be a moment where once and for all you might say, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner and I need to ask you to forgive me and save me. Rescue me. Transfer me out of that kingdom of darkness. It it starts by simply saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you paid the price for my sin when you died on the cross. And most importantly, Jesus, I believe you're alive. Would you come into my life and save me? If you've never had a moment where you've asked Jesus to forgive your sins and save your life, now's the time. Ask him to do it. Right here and right now, would you just simply say, Jesus, Would you forgive my sins and save my life? If you've never asked him to do this before, would you do it now and say, Jesus, would you forgive my sin and save my life? Say it out loud with me even. Just say it. Jesus, would you forgive my sin and save my life? And would you pray with me and say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you paid the price for my sin when you died on the cross. Say it. And say, Jesus, I believe you're alive. And say, Jesus, would you come into my life? Be my Lord and my Savior from this moment on. I'm yours, Jesus. Amen and amen. If you have just prayed with me that way for the first time asking Jesus to forgive you, would you let us know about that so that we can pray with you and help you to grow in this relationship with Jesus from this moment on? You can just type into the comments if you're on Facebook, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Or if you're on another platform, click the button that's uh, raising the hand and say, I'm raising my hand to give my life to Jesus. And uh, if you uh, wouldn't mind, I'd like you to pray with me a little bit longer. Let's continue to pray for a moment. God, I pray that while we're in your presence uh, together, even though in lots of different places, that right now you would move by your spirit in whatever way you desire. And that we could see in the spirit and receive vision where it's needed, revelation where it's needed, answers where they're needed, words of knowledge where those are needed, even right now, Holy Spirit, come. Right where you're sitting or lying down or whatever it might be, would you just simply say, Holy Spirit, come. Just say it with me. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Just say it again. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. It's it's kind of like when it's 106 degrees out, turning the air conditioner on. And you can feel the refreshing begin to come. Just take a deep breath and say it again. Just take that deep breath. Say, ah, Holy Spirit, come. You know, while while I'm praying right now, I see this sense of vision in the Spirit, like a castle wall. (laughs) That's the the vision that came into my mind. Castle wall. And in the middle of it, there's this uh, drawbridge, and it's closed up tight. And it's like it's though it's a picture of your, your spirit right now. And, and you've been closed up tight, defense, defensive. And it's like the Lord is saying, let down the drawbridge. Like, open up. I want to do something amazing in your life, but it's time to open up. It's, it's a picture to me of God saying, you're safe. I can defend you. You can trust me. Thank you, Lord. Just say it again. Holy Spirit, come. 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 
I want to pray for somebody to receive healing. And I, I don't know when you're going to be uh, hearing this, whether it's right now at this moment or a little bit later because we provide everything online. But it might be both right now and a little bit later. I want to pray for healing for someone in your left foot, kind of like the ball of your left foot. It, a lot of pain, almost feels like a splinter, but it's not that, it's something more severe. I believe uh, God wants to bring healing to that right now. And if you would like the Lord to heal that in your body, if that's you, would you just say in the comments, that's me. I need that healing touch in my body right now. Just type that into the comments. Did you type it? Now, stand up on your feet right where you are after you typed the words in and jump up and down on it a little. Because I bet you have a testimony right now. Because the moment you began typing it, it was like an act of faith saying, God, I think you can do something. So thank you, Lord, for bringing a healing touch to a foot. Yeah, and then the, the, the next one I want to pray for is a, a kind of a headache that is like in the back of the top of your head. And uh, normally we think of headaches in the front across the brow, but this one for you, it's, you feel it distinctly in the back of the top of your head and you don't know how to make it go away. And right now as I'm praying for you, I believe the Lord is saying, I know how to make it go away. I want to touch you and heal you. And so you just lay your hand on the top of the back of your head, if that's you, and say, Jesus, I trust you. Just say it, Jesus, I trust you. Even say it out loud, Jesus, I trust you. And then put uh, that in the comments. That's me. And if you've got a testimony, would you share it? We'd love to celebrate with you. You can put it in the comments right now, or you could even send an email to amen at mycenterpoint.tv.